This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by yours truly, Matty Ice, and brought to you by Matty Ice Media. I'm not sure if you follow me on social media or whether you have uh, at least heard from me in, my, in your personal life, but I've made a few changes to the way that the show is going to be produced and not just necessarily this show, but my other show, Drippin' Sports with Matty Ice. Uh, being the lone host of both shows has created kind of a conflict of interest, if you will. Uh, it certainly has made it more difficult to find spaces within the margins for me to do all of the things that I want to accomplish. On top of being Matty Ice, on top of being a host of two podcasts and a co-host of two others, I'm also a dad. I'm also a husband, and I have a full-time job. I've talked about working for the federal government. And more and more as time has gone on, while I've enjoyed putting out the content, I've thought from many aspects about whether I should be putting out as much content as I am and whether it's best serving both the show and my personal life in how much time I'm dedicating to this and whether what I'm putting out is good content in the end. So what I thought about was what would be the best cadence for content for both shows. So for Soulfully Casual, if that's the only show that you listen to, you're still going to get the Monday installment. But right now, the cadence is going to be every Monday and every Thursday. I have a lot of things on my mind. I have a lot of things that I could be talking about, a lot of things that I could present. I have a lot of guests that I want to line up. But to be perfectly honest with you, I feel like I'm asking a lot of many people to continually every week, three times a week, tune into the show and listen to what I have to say. Everybody is busy. The amount of content that we have at our fingertips, especially now with the Olympics going on, uh, is, is astronomical. We are being pulled in so many different directions by so many different electronic devices and asking you to take out an hour of your week, even though it seems like such a small part of it, when we have finite hours in our day and finite hours in our week, it's a lot. So I think this is the best cadence going forward. And honestly, I'm looking forward to showcasing more content in terms of having it being more concise, better, maybe a little bit more directive, uh, a little bit more focused. And honestly, I'm also looking forward to showcasing the other shows that we have at Maddie Ice Media. So I appreciate your patience and I certainly hope that you continue to stick with the show and are more likely to listen to it given the fact that I'm only asking uh, 40 minutes of your time as opposed to over an hour. So uh, before we move on, uh, and this is a great segue, you know, I talked about mental health space. Uh, I talked about the fact that bringing the show back to two episodes a week, the way that it originally started. Well, it originally started at one episode a week or one episode whenever I could get to it. But now that we have developed and evolved, it's obviously a lot more. And back in those times, you know, I was still trying to figure out some things. And the mental health aspect of it is crucial. Um, podcasting makes me very happy. Podcasting uh, is something that I've always wanted to do. Maybe not in the sense of podcasting since it hasn't always existed, but the idea of the spoken word in radio. I talked about that in the very first episode, uh, Meeting Matty Ice or Who is Matty Ice or whatever it's called. And that's really been my dream. So what I'm doing now is essentially living the dream. I can't tell you how much joy it gives me uh, and passion that it instills in me to continue to do this for you. But the mental health part of it is crucial. Trying to put out three episodes a week for this show, three episodes a week for Drippin' Sports, it was starting to eat at me a little bit. It was starting to eat at the fact that I was spreading myself too thin, trying to plan out when this content was going to be recorded, when it was gonna be edited, produced, and ultimately making sure that I was meeting what I 
the standards that I set for myself for this show going forward. It's funny though, because in setting those kinds of standards, while it was something that I wanted to do, I never actually stopped to ask if it was something I should be doing. And that kind of relates to the topic of the day. And this topic is actually very fresh. On the day that I'm recording this, this news dropped earlier today, and I've had so many conversations about it, seen so many hot takes, so many comments on the social media space that I felt like it was something that I needed to address just because I feel like it's so complicated uh, and it's something totally worthy of this show and not necessarily a sports only oriented show. The news dropped this morning that Simone Biles was taking herself out of the team competition at the Olympics uh, for the US women's gymnastics team. This is shocking on many fronts. It's shocking just in hearing the news because Simone Biles is a name that has been synonymous with women's gymnastics here in the U.S. since the Rio Games in 2016 and even a little bit before. Now, she's 24 today. She was, what, 19? Uh, or, yeah, 19 the last time that she competed at the Olympics. Uh, younger than that when she was competing at the World Championships trying to make the Olympic team. This has been something that she has dedicated her still very young life to. She has dedicated to her craft in a way that we have not seen many people do so because right now she is the best gymnast we've probably ever seen. I don't think that that's even disputable. Uh, she's currently doing moves that people have never done. She's setting the bar so high for herself that nobody else on the planet can do what she is doing. Nobody. That is indisputable. Nobody else is doing it. They are naming moves after her because she has essentially doing things that nobody else has ever done before. And it's kind of like discovering your own species. The news is critical for many other reasons as well. Uh, it puts the team at a severe disadvantage. Obviously, they're in the middle of this team competition. And after her vault, she decided that she was incapable of competing forward. There are rules set in place that do not allow for any substitutes at that point in the competition. So the U.S. team was down to three members and they had to scramble to make sure that they competed in everything. Ultimately, they ended up with the silver medal, which to me is not settling. To me, that is 100% earned and won. And despite everything that was happening in the moment, they faced a lot of adversity and they came through and they showed that they are still excellent gymnasts, even when the greatest of all time is no longer in their ranks. So at first, the reports were coming out that it was some type of a physical issue, an injury. And when you watch the vault that she made, you could tell that she landed awkwardly and something just was not right. When I watched it over and over again, I watched it probably like five or six times to see if I was missing anything. To me, it didn't seem like the reaction of somebody who was injured. It seemed like the reaction of somebody who was completely unsteady mentally, and that was leading to faltering in the physical sense. What we have now come to find out is that she withdrew from the team competition due to mental health issues. She is citing mental health issues specifically as something that has hindered her. She spoke very, very much about the fact that it has been a long year. It has been a long Olympic cycle. And honestly, just this week of going to the Olympics, trying to figure everything out, the pressure that is on her has really weighed on her in a way that I don't think we truly can understand. We did not get much detail beyond that. But what we did get was her basically saying, I just didn't feel like I was in the right mind space to do this. And I needed to take a step away to let the other people who were completely 100% bought in and mentally locked in, do what I know that they can do and do their best. So it was shocking. Uh, the US earning a silver medal is disappointing because we had come in with such high expectations. But what I really wanna focus on is not the fact that she didn't compete. What I wanna focus on is the many, many different reactions that I have seen. 
seen to this. And I've had conversations with people about this and I've tried to play it from as many sides as I can. Here's the one thing that I know about it unequivocally. It's complicated. It's very complicated. I should probably come out and say out front that I was one of the people who, I don't wanna say crucified Naomi Osaka, but I certainly saw it and thought of it from a predominantly, well, it's part of her job, uh, you know, element of it. Thinking about her media obligations as something that was contractually obligated and you know what, she needed to just suck up and do it. And it's funny because as somebody who went through mental health struggles in June of 2020, three months into a pandemic, three months into fatherhood, and I had a complete mental breakdown, which I talked to my wife about, and I have since addressed it and really tried to make things better. That's what we all should be doing. Because we are living a life that is complicated. We also are living a long life. Not every day is guaranteed. And I needed to fix myself because I anticipate being a long-standing father and living a lot, a lot longer than just the time that I have already put in on this earth, right? So it's really, really crucial that we address these sort of mental health issues. And I've realized that I was a little bit mistaken in my initial take of it. And what I realized through the Naomi Osaka uh, experience is the fact that it is complicated, that, that you can look at each of the individual aspects of this particular situation and you can analyze and possibly criticize certain elements of it while still believing in the overall objective. And this is where I think we have faltered in many, many ways as a society, at least in the United States, is that it has to be all or nothing. I probably mentioned that countless times. So if you've heard that from me, I roll and keep moving. But I think it's very, very true. So with Naomi Osaka, it can actually be true that she has an obligation to talk to the media. It can also be true that that obligation, which is part of an archaic narrative and an archaic practice, is something that is causing her mental health anguish because of the types of questions that she receives, the timing of the questions, and overall just not understanding the pressures of being an athlete at that level of competition. I think that that applies to Simone Biles in this case, but here's where there is a huge difference. Simone Biles is carrying the weight of an entire country and an entire program on her shoulders. And it's not something she necessarily asked for that in a way that it's been given to her. And what do I mean by that? If you've watched any of the news media up until these Olympic Games or even before, Simone Biles has been labeled, appropriately so, the greatest of all time. She has been given accolades that she 100% deserves, but she has also been thrust upon this place as being a savior and almost like an idol for American gymnastics. Like she is our savior and we are going to be able to lean on her no matter what because she's always been there and she's going to perform. She's the greatest and the greats always perform. One of the things we never stop to ask ourselves is whether that kind of pressure, those kinds of moments were something that she as a human being, not an athlete, she as a human being actually wanted. And what I think we're coming to find out is that that immense pressure has manifested itself in many different ways to a really complicated mind space of which we're not really sure what she's thinking. The pressure of just competing in the Olympics is enough. The pressure of being Simone Biles, of living up to her own standards, and I mean the standards that she has set for all of gymnastics, has got to be tough. Everywhere she goes, she is expected to be on 100% all the time. Think about your life. Think about days or even just sections of a day where you say to yourself or you say to somebody else, I just don't feel like being on today. We get the privilege and the luxury of being able to do that. Simone Biles really doesn't get that luxury. 
at least not in the Olympic stage and at least not in the competition leading up to the Olympics. I'm sure that there is some part of her that does want to be at the Olympics and does want to compete at the Olympics. But perhaps what it has escalated to is I just want to be me. I just want to have fun. One thing we hear from athletes who spend so much of their young lives dedicating themselves to a sport and a craft is they don't really end up enjoying themselves. A lot of them are very, very happy when they get out at the right time because they didn't get to a place where they start to hate the sport. They start to loathe it. You do hear this from athletes. You heard this from Michael Phelps, I think, that swimming became a chore. It became a job. And that's not ultimately what it is. It's a sport. It's entertainment. It's something that is supposed to give you, the actual participant, joy in this. Do we think Simone Biles is getting joy out of this? Do we think she's getting joy out of the entirety of the experience? And that's part of it that I don't think we're taking into consideration. There are parts of it that she does appreciate. Certainly, knowing that she is as good as she is has to feel good. It does have to feel good. You, We all love to feel good at something. It's great when we go out and knock out a workout or we knock out a test in school, or we have a big project or a big proposal that we're writing up at work and we nail it and our boss says, you know, you did a great job. We all love feeling like we're good at what we do. I love feeling that I'm putting out good content here. I don't feel that every single time. And sometimes, admittedly, my head is not in the game, but I keep going forward because I know that ultimately the end goal is what's important. But I have taken off time. I took off time when I went and visited my folks I've taken off months at the beginning of this. I put out seven episodes or some number like that. I took off months and then I recreated the show. I was reinvigorated. I needed to take a step away because things that were happening in my personal life were much too heavy to even try to focus on this. I think that's where Simone Biles is. But there's many other things about it that have struck me. The first is this idea of what have you done for me lately? Nowhere in this narrative, in many, many of the narratives that I've seen on the news, uh, in social media, I've seen it a few places in social media, but you kind of have to search it out, is listing all of the accomplishments that Simone Biles has had for the United States of America in the sport of gymnastics. The list is very long, folks. It's very, very long. She has competed at the highest level of competition for this country for almost the better part of a decade now. She has accomplished more at that level than a lot of others will ever even dream of, let alone physically accomplish. And she has reached a level of competitive, uh, you know, stature that she is among the top tier, if not the top that's ever, ever done it. She's accomplished a lot, all in the name of the United States of America and the United States gymnastics and all for our entertainment, I might add. Right. We watch because we like seeing people who are, are elite at what they do. It's why athletes like Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. LeBron James. It's why they move the needle, because we like to watch the greatest of the greats do what they do best. They're virtuosos in so many different ways. And we, as regular human beings, aren't good at it. We're not good at something the way that Simone Biles is great at gymnastics. Admittedly, I'm not. No matter how good I feel at whatever it is that I do in my life or I've done in my life. Let's take marathon running, for instance. The best I ever did was a four-hour marathon. And you know what? That felt like the biggest accomplishment in the world. No matter how good that felt or how good I felt in that moment of doing it, like as in talented, I will never be as good at anything that I do than Simone Biles is at gymnastics. The other part of it is the questioning of the toughness part. 
I certainly will agree that the circumstances are very odd. Bowing out in the middle of the competition, citing mental health reasons. I certainly can understand that and feel a little bit of disappointment and be shocked with the whole thing. It is a shocking development in the sport of gymnastics. Do not get me wrong. But did she really quit on her team? And this is the part I want to focus on for right now. It's a team. Many times in the throes of competition, the team is what you lean on. And they are a small entity. There's four of them. I would like to think that Simone Biles has a relationship and a rapport with her teammates, despite the fact that outside of the team competition, they are all competing against each other, but that she has the kind of relationship and rapport to which she can say to them, I just can't do it. And they know, right? They they go through the same training, but they don't go through the same expectations as her. When they all walk into an arena, they are they get to be who they are. But if they're not Simone Biles, right? They're expected to be less good than Simone Biles. Simone Biles doesn't get that luxury. Now, do I wonder to myself if she's going to be able to compete going forward? I sure do. And I said that about Naomi Osaka, and I do think that is a fair piece of criticism if it ends up happening. Because you have to ask yourself, if you're not good for the team competition, and all of a sudden, two days later, you're now good for individual glory, then what was the disconnect in that particular moment? I think an explanation at least would be not nece not necessary, but I think it would be helpful. And also, what is she going to do in the aftermath? Because I think what she has done and what Naomi Osaka has done is highlighted a very, very, very important aspect of being an athlete. It's difficult. It puts so much wear and tear on your body. And I really think it's critical for her to become now an advocate and a voice for that. Other athletes have put their voices and their faces to the Larry Nasser uh, saga, right? Ali Raisman is one of them. So many others have. Countless, countless women, young women who are abused by this man. And she's the last remaining one. So she's carrying that torch too. And I think that it's in incredibly crucial to understand all of that. So I do feel that there is so much going on that we just are not aware of. We don't know what the lead-in to the Olympics last year entailed. And then imagine COVID-19 comes along. The country is in complete disarray. You don't know whether the Olympics are going to happen. The Olympics get canceled. And from all accounts, Simone Biles was hoping, I believe, to retire from competitive gymnastics after the 2020 Games. She would have been 23. And the next time she'd have gone would have been 20, age 27, which is, I hate to say it, ancient for gymnasts specifically, not ancient in terms of you, uh, you know, our, our lifespan. And I think this set everything back, feeling compelled to continue, feeling compelled to stay on the team because of the fact that she was that last remaining gymnast who was actually on, you know, part of the Larry Nasser abuse train. And I think it's just so many expectations that we as regular humans can't even fathom. The other thing too, is we're not even capable of carrying her shoes, let alone walking in them or performing in them. It's, a, it's so much pressure. And I think the only two people who really, really truly know what's going on are you know, her parents or her, her grandparents. And I think that that's where most of the answers lie. I think her teammates accept what she wasn't able to do I think they will accept her as a teammate. They will accept her as a friend and a human being going forward. And I don't doubt that. I think we as fans need to understand that while we can be disappointed and we can be shocked, that we don't necessarily have to just dump on her and rail on her. We can do both. We can show compassion. We can show grace. 
and also be disappointed. It's part of sports. We're disappointed in sports all the time. But the people that are performing these sports for our entertainment and their own glory are human beings in the end. And I think that's the important message. Sure, we wish that things were taken out or carried out a little bit differently. Do I wish Naomi Osaka had been able to put her voice to it? Yes. Do I wish Simone Biles had a better explanation than just, I couldn't? Yes. But does she owe it to me? 100% no. Who does she owe it to though? She owes it to all of the other athletes who are not at this level, who go through something similar with mental health. She owes it to the people who truly do struggle with mental health, who do truly need somebody at that level a voice to say to them, you're not alone. And that's, I think, the important message here. And I hope that Simone Biles takes this and creates momentum and becomes now an advocate for this. She can still compete if she wants to, but also do the good work behind the scenes, right? Give us a little bit of an inside look at what was happening leading up to this moment, because it had to be something. As somebody who is so competitive, who loves gymnastics so much, for her to just not be able to go, there has to be so much behind it. And it's probably something we will never understand because quite frankly, it isn't ours to understand. Hope everybody's having a great week. Uh, I appreciate your patronage for sure. I appreciate you sticking with the show despite the fact that I'm changing things up a little bit. It feels good to change it up though, I won't lie. Uh, I'm looking forward to feeling refreshed every week, to not feeling like I have to make up content for you. And hopefully you as the listener will be rewarded with better, fresher Matty Ice. Before you leave, uh, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. It means a lot to me, especially if you're an Apple Podcast viewer. Uh, totally means a lot, and it helps the show grow quite a bit. Uh, MattyIceMedia.com for all of your podcasting needs. Soulfully Casual, Drippin' Sports, Political Football, Cowboy Season, and The Manual. Uh, we're trying to bring all of those shows back to a little bit more of a complete cadence. But you know what? People get busy. Lives get busy. It is what it is. Show some love to the old episodes and subscribe, rate, and review those as well. And if you want to hit me up, uh, Matty Ice is on Facebook. So just look me up. Send me a friend request. I'd love to chat with you. And Soulfully Casual Podcast on Instagram is where you can find me uh, out in the social media world as the podcast. So I appreciate everybody's time. Have a great rest of your week. Stay safe over the weekend. And I'll be talking to you at another time. Peace. Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.